Lord Jesus, we thank you for this great opportunity to hear your word. Um, yeah, it's such a blessing that we live in this country where we can be able to hear you speak to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you lead and guide us even this morning as we look at this word together. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you, go to, um, if you are visiting us very, very first time today, we're still in the series of Luke. Uh, it's, uh, we are, but we are doing a mini-series called Blessed. Um, it's part of a Savior series that has been, um, we've been part of it for, for so many months. Um, but today, um, I'm going to be talking on a topic that says, do not judge. Uh, do not judge. Let's read uh, from Luke chapter 6. We're reading from verse 37 to 45. Luke chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, so it will be available on the screen. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. The good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your, into your lap. For which the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead another blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, he will be like the his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not um, notice the look that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself, when you yourself do not see, um, sorry, I just lost it. Uh, okay. How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log that is in your, in your own eye, and then you will, be, uh, you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears the bad fruit, and no again does a bad tree bear a good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For fig trees, uh, the figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from uh, the bramble bush. The good person out of a good treasure of his heart will produce good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Hallelujah. Um, I know that this is a very difficult passage, but we're going to help each other. We're going to move this together. Um, so, this is Luke narrating the story. Uh, I think we, we've been in this uh, book uh, long enough now that you can understand that this is according to Luke, and he's writing the story, and he's telling us about the discourse and the imperatives from Jesus, uh, from Jesus' words. So, like, for instance, some of the, 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 the discourse and imperatives that um, Jesus used, like when Prince was preaching the last time, he told us about 
Jesus giving us commands to love our enemies. And he's warning us um, about that love that has no benefits. And then encouraging us to pursue the love with rewards. Because he was talking about that if you love your, and do good to your, to your enemies and bless those who curse you, and then he warned you that if you love those who love you, that, that's got no benefits. You already receive your reward. But the, in encouraging us to pursue the love that has benefits, to love your enemies and bless them, those who curse you. I think that was amazing foundation from what we're talking about today. But what we really became clear in the previous chapters, especially chapter 5 and chapter 6, is that the Jesus' gospel was viewed as an upside-down kingdom because it was going against the feelings. <laughs> it was going against what people they perceive as something that is good and make people feel nice. So the main verse um, for this uh, passage that we're reading today um, is verse 37. So we read just 37, 38 uh, to start. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So quickly, what I want to do with this passage so that we can be able to understand uh, what is this, all passage, this passage is all about. Quickly, we're just going to see the roadmap that we're going to take um, in our message today. First of all, we're going to talk about the judgment of man in himself. And secondly, we're going to talk about the judgment of man's work and behavior. And then thirdly, we talk about the judgment that you would like to receive. And we will conclude with the illustrations and examples that Jesus has given us, and then we'll take our application from there. So first of all, I just want to start with the judgment of, of man himself. Jesus is warning us not to judge. He's warning us not to judge people because of their height, because they are tall or short, um, not because of their size, not because of their gender, not because of their age, of their color, of the skin, Etc. But not only that, it's also uh, warning us not to judge men's character and their motives and their thoughts, their inner life, the soul of the person, because only God can judge in this way. So then Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14, verse 4, he says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his master, he stands to his master, he falls. That's why Jesus was warning us about this man in Luke chapter 18. Those two guys who went up to the temple to pray. And so the, the, the Bible says one was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people 
I thank you, God, because I'm not like cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I am certainly not like this test collector. In saying these words, the, the Pharisee was judging the tax collector who was standing beside him. He was saying, I'm good, he is bad. You know, that is including our evil thoughts of superiority. When we see ourselves better than others because of our backgrounds, because of the homes that we own, because maybe we're driving the nice car, maybe because of the positions in our work, in our workplaces. All these kinds of prideful thoughts are coming from devil and the pit of hell, and they have no place in the church of God. All this kind of condemning, despising attitude, the judgment towards others is totally wrong, and it must never be entertained in the church of Jesus. You know, there are a lot of people like Pharisees, even in our days, um, who are always looking for faults in others, who always do their best to find something that they can criticize about God's people and his church. I'm sure that you have those kind of people around your life. There are people who always want to put down others. They are more happy when other people stumble and fall. They enjoy hearing bad things about other people. You know, um, in this church, every beginning of the year, we take a trip to Drangersberg and do hike. Uh, the hiking, we carry those big bags. Uh, uh, the, the COVID has really um, disturbed us in, in doing that these past two years. But it's just fun because you've got this steady man that's walking with you. But the challenge is that we only use one path. So the clever guys, they always want to run up front. And then when they run up front, then on the, on the path when they see that they can take a chance, they just tie up the, the grass knot. And then, and then after that, they will go and rest on the rock somewhere. And then you're rushing because you can't wait to catch your breath on the rock. And you don't even see where you're walking. And then then you just stumble and fall. And they go, 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 they will laugh. They will laugh at you. Because people are so happy when they see other people are really troubling and falling and tripping and falling, and that makes them happy. Such judging attitude is opposite to love, because love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. But having said all that, I think when you're talking about judgment, other people, they get so excited when you talk about do not judge. You know, I think as Prince um, mentioned last time that some other people are very clever. And then they can pull that card and use those words, do not judge me, as a way of defending themselves from repenting from their sin. They can use that card, those words, as a shield to keep living in sin. That is why Jesus is making very clear that there is a wrong judgment, but there is a right judgment. I'm sorry if you are so excited and comfortable, but I have to bring this 
bad news for you. The second one is the judgment of man's work and behavior. The first one was the person himself. But this time we're talking about the actions and the words. We're talking about the the outside actions. If your fruits are not matching the tree, we must do something about it. In verse 43 of this chapter, for no good tree bears the bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear a good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For fig trees are not gathered from the, bush, the thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from the bamboo bush. But the good person out of the good heart, um, the good treasure of his heart produces good fruit. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. I always say that if someone drank a lot of uh, alcohol, when they're sitting down, you won't know, you won't notice. But wait until that person take a step and walk. You will notice. But wait until that person open the mouth and talk. Then you will notice. Because you can't judge a person by just looking at them. But when you see the actions and you see their moves, then you can be able to see that there is something wrong and this brother needs help. I want this to be more clear today that in this judgment, we don't judge the sinner but we judge the sin. Jesus loves the sinner, but he hates sin. That's why we judge the works and the words that people speak. This was Jesus' instructions in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to, to 16. He says, Beware of the false prophet who come disguised in a harmless ship, but are really vicious wolves. And he says, you can identify them by their fruits. He didn't say by the color of their skin, or you can identify them by how short, how tall. He said, you can identify them by, by their fruits. That is by the way they act. It sounds as if Jesus knew that talk is cheap. Everyone can be able to say nice words. I can preach great sermons. (laughs) I can be able to say, to share and copy and paste things from uh, social media as if it's coming from me. Then you believe, wow, he's such a strong Christian. But what is important is character. That is why when Jesus calls people into leadership, out of nine qualifications, eight of them are of character. Because our our job as leaders is to protect the sheep from this kind of dangerous wolves. But how can we do that if we are wolves ourselves? God has given us authority to make judgment from people's actions. It is important that you know that 
It's not everyone who comes to church through that door who came for a good reasons. But some of them, they came because they come because they want to benefit some of the things. But Jesus said, when you look at that sheep's skin, don't just be, go with the flow. Descend. Find out. That is why in our church, we have something that we call disciplinary process. If you have done, get connected with us, you'll know about green, orange, and red zone. Because that one is so important because we have to protect the people of God. We have to protect our brothers and sisters in the church. And even Paul did not tolerate sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he pronounced judgment to this guy who committed sexual immorality in the church. And the guys who were leading that church, they were just turning a blind eye. And Paul was not even there and he heard the news that there was this guy who's committing sexual immorality, he's, li he's leaping no work. And the church knows about it. But we do not judge, do not judge. And he ordered that this guy must be removed from membership because tolerating such sin defiles the church of God. But even though those in authority had to make judgment concerning that man's behavior, they cannot understand what is in that person's heart. They cannot understand what's going on into that person that they are judging or even disciplining. Only God can give an absolute true and the final judgment about us because God is the only one who can understand the heart. That is why we need to do this standing in the right position. Do not judge the person, but we judge the actions. But even if we judge the actions, we need to stand in the right position. Because if we're not standing in the right position ourselves, then we will be judged. Point number three, the judgment that you must give the judgment that you would like to receive. In verse 30, from verse 37, where we started, says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Just imagine, think about this, that you've got a container, and then they're talking about, that if you judge, you're like throwing the, the tennis on the wall, it will come back to you. And then if you condemn, it will come back to you. If you forgive, it will come back to you. If you give, it will come back to you. And then Jesus says, when it's given back to you, it's all in you. And he says these words, that it will be of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, even running over, and you will take that and put it on your lap. And you won't miss it. Don't think that you will get a free ticket out from the things, because what goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. That's a principle of this word. 
you reap what you sow. Do as you will like to be done to you. Why God have such great expectation from us? <laughs> because he knows that we are weak and we can't do these things. We find it so hard to love other people. We find it so hard to stand for the truth and help our brothers and sisters in their wrongdoing because we don't want to be hated by them. But God still wants us to do that. The answer is because God himself, instead of judging us, he loved us. Instead of com com uh, condemning us, he forgave us. And he gave us his only begotten son so that the same love and forgiveness that we have received from him, we can give to other people as well. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. It's not because we have ticked all the boxes, but while we were sinners, he didn't condemn us. He didn't judge us. He forgave us. He gave his only son so that you and me, we can be saved. Therefore, if we don't forgive others, it means that we have not received God's forgiveness. We do not know what forgiveness is. So we are condemned ourselves. Remember that guy went to the master and the master said, you're owing me so much, but I forgive you. And he went out to the master's room, master's office. Down the road, he met this guy who was owing him 50 rand. He said, yeah, I need my money. And this guy said, I don't have money. Can you um, wait a little bit? This guy just took him and beat him and he threw him into jail. And the master heard that this guy was just forgiven so much. Now he's pressing down the other person. You know, I think that is why when we're talking about judging, condemning, forgiving, and, uh, and giving, when we have not seen how much God has done for us, we will never be able to do that to others. You know, last week, Ganyeso helped us to look at the kingdom economics. Talking about when we give, it will be given back to us. And even Prince just alluded to that. But today, we're talking about the kingdom ethos. Kingdom ethos is a high honor and the privilege to represent God to people. In such a way that when people see the way we judge them, the way we forgive them, the way we give, and they experience the love of God in their lives. Isn't the same experience they receive from you? And if we judge others in the wrong way, God will also judge us. If we condemn others, God will also condemn us. If we forgive others, God will forgive us. If we give to God and other people, God will give it back to us. When Jesus teaches his disciples, they ask him, Jesus, tell us how to pray. And Jesus, 
from verse 12 to 15, he says these words, and forgive our sins as we, <laughs> as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And don't let us yield into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive. That was not any other person. This was Jesus saying these words. Sometimes you think when I'm holding back for forgiveness of somebody else, I'm punishing that person. You're like someone who's drinking poison and expect that person to die. You are the one who's going to die. Because Jesus knew that when you do these things, it will be given back to you. It will be, you're just reaping, you're just sowing and then you will reap back. The emphasis that we see, an argument that Jesus is making here, is that God will treat other, will treat us as the way we treat others. In the same way we judge others, God will judge us. God will show us as much mercy as we show to other people. As much as we give to others, God will give back to us. But you need to notice that Jesus does, doesn't just say that will be given back to us, but he says, whatever you give, doesn't matter which direction is going, I don't know how many people you haven't forgiven in your life. Just imagine you, you're sending that, you're sending that, you're sending that, but all those things, they will come back to you. It's easier when it's going to that person, that person, because they can catch that ball. But imagine if those balls are coming back to you, how are you going to catch them? That's why the Bible says it will be pressed down, shaken together, but it will be given back to your lap and we're like, I, I can't even hold it. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Because what goes around comes around. Just when Jesus is trying to explain about how to judge other people, how can we judge the fruits, the sin, not the sinner? And then how can we, if we can't judge people, but we can judge actions, how can we judge actions but standing in the right position that will also not be judged? Then he's giving kind of illustrations and examples. From verse 39, he says, he also told them a parable, an illustration. Can a blind man lead another blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log that, uh, out of your eye and then you'll be able to help clearly. Uh, out the, uh, you'll be able uh, to see clearly um, to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. And then he says, for no good tree bears the bad fruit. No, a bad fruit bears a good tree. 
So what I'm trying to say here is that when you blind yourself, you can't help other people because you don't see. When you haven't trained people as a teacher, you can't blame them for mistakes unless you have taught them how to do this. And then also he's talking about that when you're trying to help someone, the, the sin that is in somebody else's eye must first do introspection. Check yourself if you're in the right position. Or maybe you haven't done the same. That was like, a, you know, the, 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 the crab, you know, a crab, it walks like sideways like this. And then teaching their children to walk forward. And then the children, they say, but I hear what you say, but I, um, your actions, they're different. Then we're going to follow your actions. Then all of them, even the babies, will do like this. And then the Bible, the, Jesus is calling that a hypocrisy. Some people, they say, don't worry about what I do, take what I say. That's rubbish. What is important is your actions as a leader, as a teacher. Because as a teacher, your disciple will do the same. As a tree, you will bear the, I'll be, I've got fruit trees in my house. And all the avocados, and I will be so amazed when I see the purple tree bearing oranges. I was like, yo, <laughs> maybe I need to go and find out what's wrong. Because the tree will bear the same fruit. So you can't tell me you've got oranges then, but I'm not the orange tree. You, you are an orange tree. Because you will know them by their fruit. But if your actions don't meet, don't match your, your, your fruits, you are a hypocrite. Doesn't matter how, how long you're praying, how long you're worshiping, how long you preach, but as long as your life is not matching what you say, you are a hypocrite. In these verses, we see Jesus gives us another reason why we must, we must not judge. He says, because we are not worthy. Number two, we cannot see clearly because we are also sinners as well. When we see another person making a mistake or sinning, as human beings, how quickly we are to accuse and criticize. We think that it is our duty to point out the faults in other people's lives. Sometimes it's so easy. If someone wants to hear the news, we'll just invite you for lunch, and then you'll tell them everything. It's like, no, I'm not a toilet. If you want to go to toilet, go to toilet. But if you want to talk, let's talk about you and me, and then how we can help, help each other to grow. And then Jesus introduced a new word. This is a new word that he introduced, that he calls the people who are doing that hypocrites. Because they seek to get rid of the speck of sawdust that is so tiny from the brother's eye, but they don't care about removing the blank, the big sin from their own eye. Most of the time, our own sin makes us spiritual blind. It is like having this big blank that is blocking you that you can't even see, like in your windscreen. If you put a cover, then you're driving, you'll make a lot of accidents. We become like a blind doctor who is trying to remove the cataract in someone else's eye. 
I'm blind, I can't see, but I'm trying to remove the thing that makes you can't see. Do you remember what happened in John chapter 8 from verse 1 to 11 when the Jews caught the woman who was um, uh, committing adultery? They dragged him to Jesus and they wanted to stone him dead according to the Jewish law. But Jesus said to them, if anyone of you is without sin, let him be the first one to throw a stone at her. And the Jews because of their own sin, they were unworthy to judge that woman. Verse 32, Jesus says, if you do that, you are a hypocrite. This is a strong word. Because sometimes hypocrites are the people, those people who appear righteous on the outside. But inwardly, they are evil. They are people who say one thing, but in their hearts, they believe the opposite. Their speech is lippery. They act as if they show concern of their brother's sin, but secretly they are happy that he has sinned. So in, in Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, instead, Jesus says, instead of um, judging others, Jesus is encouraging us to judge ourselves first. You know, I like the way the Bible is talking here. It, is, it said, do not judge others. So I took out others because it was so important that I first introduced this. Do not judge others. But Bibles didn't say that don't let people judge you. People, they can judge you if they want, but do not judge others. You are responsible for that. So when you're pulling out the card, they say, do not judge me. You don't do in the, the Bible. Because the Bible says, if I want to so the only way to defend yourself is to live the life in front of people. It's not to defend and try and convince people and you live the life. Because the life, the, the actions will always speak louder than the words. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31 and 32 says, But if we judge ourselves truly. We will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I know that it is not easy to remove the blank in your own eye. What is more easy is to remove the tiny sawdust that I see in other people's eyes. But when I need to turn around and say, wait, what did I do wrong? How did I parent my kids? Why were they taking this? When I see my child swearing, I can't just say, hey, do not swear. I need to find out how is our language in this house. So if I check my language first, then I can be able to judge my child because I know I'm standing in the right position. But if I'm not standing in the right position myself, I have no right to discipline my child. I have no right to say that is wrong because there's this plan that is already people, they can see it in my own eye. It is very hard because removing the plan in your own eye, it is humiliating, it is painful at the same time, but we must do it. 
Otherwise, God will do it for us. Have you ever know, realized that when you don't do things, God will expose you someday? Because there's nothing that you can keep hiding and hiding and hiding, but God will bring into light one day. When we constantly ask Jesus to remove our own blank from our own eyes first, then we'll be more humble and more sympathetic towards others, and then we'll be able to see our brothers and sisters as God sees them. We will look at them with love in other people's eyes. We will want to help those people to remove it. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, because it's start by temptation, then the temptation will overcome, then they need to become sin. If you see that this person is overcome by sin, he says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation as well. When we do so, the judgment and condemning spirits will have no place in our lives. Because whenever we see the person, we first look at our lives and see how much Jesus has done for us. If Jesus has forgiven my sin, who am I not to forgive my brother and sister? So I want us to stand and end with this passage. Brothers and sisters, judge the person, but you judge the fruits. You help your brothers and sisters. But when you do that, make sure that you do that in the right position. You check your own life first. That are you displaying the life, are you modeling the life that other people should follow? And then the Bible says, even if we have an authority to judge other people, but the biggest responsibility for us is to check ourselves. The Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus says these words, we know it's all about the Lord's Supper as we're about to, to partake. This is about the Lord's Supper. Then he broke the bread, he gave it to them, and he said these words, verse 27, so then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. And everyone who ought, everyone ought to examine themselves. Do we examine others? No. The Bible says when we go to the table of the Lord, it's an opportunity to examine yourself before you can eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the Holy Spirit, shutting your ears, I don't care what the Holy Spirit says, when the Holy Spirit is pointing something in my heart, I need to listen and I need to obey. But if we do that without discerning the body of Christ, for those who eat without discerning the body of Christ and eat and drink the judgment for themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and the number of you have fallen asleep. 
and died. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under judgment. So our biggest duties and responsibilities is to search our hearts. Is to look at how much God has done for us in the past and what God can still do for you today. He can still forgive you. He can still wash those sins, brother, than the snow. And then when, when I go to my brother and sister, I go with a clean heart and the clean hands because I know I have received mercy so I can give mercy to other people. So as we come affront and partake from the communion, we remember Jesus. Every time when we do judgment and everything, we need to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done. That's the power of communion, that every Sunday we remember, Jesus, you have forgiven us. Jesus, you, have, you didn't judge us. You didn't condemn us. You, you forgave our sins and you gave us your only son so that we can be able to do that to others. That's a simple way to do this thing of judgment. It's not a card that you can just keep, don't judge me, don't judge me. We need to do introspection. What, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? How can I change? How can I repent? I cannot just defend myself and use that as a shield to kill the own living in sin. But God wants us to repent. But Jesus, thank you that when we were far away walking in our own path towards death and eternal destruction, you showed your love towards us. You didn't judge us. It's why you say to that woman in, in chapter 8, John chapter 8, neither I condemn you, but I say go and sin no more. Thank you, Father, that instead of judging us, Lord God, you forgave us. You didn't condemn us, Lord God. You loved us. You gave your only son. You forgave all our sins. That is why through this body that was broken for us, not because we were better, but because we were sinners, but we experienced your love. This blood that washes brother in the snow, you said, even though your sins are red as scarlet, you said, come, let's reason together. I will wash them brother in the snow. And you want us, all of us in our church, to model this life that we're holding in front of our world, in front of our families, in front of our neighbors, and everyone. As we are told us last, last two weeks back, to love our enemies, to bless those who, who hate us. But Lord God, we can only do that when we realize how much you have done for us. Lord God, we thank you. As we come to this table, we examine our lives. If there is any sin, as David said, any sin in our heart, Lord God, please make us water than the snow. In Jesus' name.